Acts chapter 28. We'll be reading verses 7 through 16. I apologize for the typographical error in the bulletin. We'll be making some comments this morning about dealing with the pagan world, involvement with the lost, or participation with the lost, compassion for the lost, and Christian fellowship for encouragement. Three basic points. Acts 28, beginning at verse 7. If you remember, Paul is on the island of Malta, and they tried to make a bonfire on the beach in order to warm up. A snake jumped out of the wood pile that Paul was holding and bit him on the hand. And the people expect him, him to die from it, but he didn't, so they thought he must be a god. Verse 7 of Acts 28, Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island, named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island had diseases, who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the, in the island, a ship of Alexandria with twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. When we came into Rome, Paul also Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. Allow me to pray briefly for God's blessing upon this reading. Lord, we look at this in limited eyesight, but open up our understanding to help us, to instruct us, and to encourage us. May these words equip us to serve you more faithfully and diligently. May it give us insight for the glory and the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. It's kind of tricky sometimes looking at these final chapters. We it's been a couple of years when we began our study in Acts, and we're getting near to the end, all the way from Acts 1 to Acts 28. And commentaries are very good at commenting on phrases and verses of the Bible, but they don't always give application. That's up to the minister to 
draw from scripture, draw from the commentaries, and then make some application for the people. That's what I am trying to try to do here this morning. And sometimes as we Christians seek to be faithful to the Lord, we want some counsel or some idea about how to get involved with the world that does not believe. We are called to be faithful to him. What kind of limits, what kind of criteria do we consider to keep ourselves safe? We don't want to become idolaters like them. So this morning, I don't know that I would be um, I hate those senior moments complete in my explanation but of course I would like to offer some guidelines involvement with the lost or participation with the lost or participation in a pagan world how does that come from the text we see this morning just looking briefly at verses 7 through 10 on the island where Paul is now the island of Malta in the neighborhood of that place were lands, were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. When this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. Publius invited them to his home. Come on over, let's have a barbecue. Publius was not a Christian. I don't know that it would be be rude to call him a pagan. Most people back then who were not Christians had idols in their house. I remember a couple of trips myself taken to India You know, in America, they say there's a church on every street corner. In India, there is a temple of idols on every street corner. And these aren't as discreet as our churches are. They usually have carvings of hideous gods and idols. And some of them, I would not even want little children to watch, to look at, just because of what they depict. And you see that all over India, which is very much a pagan nation. And I imagine there were idols in Publius's home. And Paul was invited to spend some time there. He was being offered some hospitality. Most people, whether they are believers or not, most people are happy to be hospitable. Most cultures have traditions about offering comfort to strangers. It seems to be universal from one culture, one nation, one people group to the next. We can look all the way back in Israel's history, Exodus and Deuteronomy and several other references. The Lord told Israel, you shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. 
Again in Deuteronomy 10, therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now those are instructions from God to people who believe in him. But you don't have to believe in God to be hospitable to strangers. While our sin and rebellion condemns us all, there remains a remnant of awareness within everyone that reminds us of what we should be. We may may not be able to recognize it, but it reminds us of what we should be. We have a sense, everyone has a sense of right and wrong. Everyone has a sense of justice within them. That is a remnant, a small dim reflection of what God intended all of us to be, created in his image for his glory. But we've all lost that perfection. We've all lost that idea. We can only find any kind of remnant of it, any restoration of it in Christ Jesus himself. That is to the very thing that, to which we have hope. Publius, of course, was an unbeliever, but he was a man of means. It meant he had some wealth, he had some influence, and he was willing and happy to share it. Now, whenever you have someone who is an unbeliever being hospitable to uh, to strangers, they generally just want to be well thought of. They want other people owing. There's an ulterior motive behind why they do that. Please remember, it's not every day you get to entertain a man with spiritual power. The Apostle Paul did not die after being bitten by a stake. But Paul was willing to accept his offer of hospitality because Paul wanted to reach this man with the gospel. In fact, he wanted to reach everyone he could for the gospel, and this man had influence. He was someone strategic to the spread of the gospel on the island of Malta. So there was some involvement with the lost or participation with the lost. And some Christians are not comfortable or at ease reaching out to a lost neighbor. Sharing the gospel means that you need to be ready for it. You need to be prepared for it. You need to have some knowledge of your scriptures. You need to know some method. What do I say to someone? How do I approach? And there really requires some kind of discernment, some kind of wisdom, a little bit of experience because... You don't want to come over so strong with someone that they think or they get the impression, oh, this is one of those people. They're just looking for a trophy. You don't want to do that. So there is, being involved with the lost, there is this idea. And it's necessary. We need to know scripture. We need to know how to approach someone. We need to know what to say. We need to know how to answer their questions. But there is another layer to that as well. 
For example, just a couple of illustrations personally. A few years ago, I live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of military that transits, transit in and out. There's, they're there for a year or two years and then they're gone. A few years ago, the house right behind me, the people over there enjoyed their backyard. Nothing wrong with that. But I remember, particularly on Fridays and Saturday evenings, there was quite a bit of loud profanity. There was drinking, and you can hear it all the way across the fence, all the way into our backyard. How do you approach someone like that? If you were ever invited to their house, how are you comfortable when there's profanity, off-colored joke, off-colored humor? How do you handle something like that? It shows us that the need is tremendous being involved with the lost. So there's a lot of prayerful care that needs to be applied. You, Christian, if you're going to be involved with the lost, must be praying quite a lot more than you're accustomed to in order to have wisdom in order to see when God opens up this door of opportunity where you can share the love of Christ the apostle Paul thought, this man's a pagan, he's got idols in his home, I don't know that I can spend any time with him. That's not what Paul said. That's not what Paul did. That's not how he responded. He went into the man's home. Your father's sick. He has a fever. I don't know if they understood the contagion of favors back then, but Paul was willing to go in the presence of this man, this man who was sick with a fever and with dysentery and put his hands on him and pray for him and heal him. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery and Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. So it wasn't just one man Paul healed. He healed others as well. He got involved with the lost. He got involved with the pagans. Paul, as did the rest of the apostles, had, for lack of a better word, an ace up his sleeve. This gift of healing helped Paul spread the gospel. God healed the father of Publius and healed many others on the island. Paul was not 
Paul was not the source of the power. God was. We can go back to Acts chapter 3, an account where Peter healed someone. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on him, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and angles were, be, were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's Astounded. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Peter stopped. Why are you looking at us? Why does this fill you with wonder? The power is not in us. Acts 3.13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, is glorified through this man's healing. Jesus Christ healed this man. Now there are some who would claim today that they had the power to heal. Imagine Peter saying, Why are you wondering at this? Don't you know who I am? I'm Peter. Send me your money. I need to buy jets for all my disciples. The gift of healing was meant to point people to the Savior. The gift of healing was supposed to reveal the power of God to forgive sins, the authority of God to cleanse away the sins of the lost. The gift of healing was supposed to be a temporary thing. The word of God remains forever. You and I don't have the gift of healing. So we cannot use that specific gift in reaching out to the others with the gospel. We have the word. We have its spiritual power. We have the power of prayer. We can pray for others. We can pray for the lost. We can pray for our neighbors. We can let them know that we love them and care. 
and through prayer, let them know that we will carry their burdens with them to be a friend for them. I don't know if this helps or not, but I remember some years ago, I was just a teenager. And I had a sweetheart who happened to live in San Antonio, Texas. Don't need to go into details about how we met. But it wasn't yet, uh, I think it must have been 17 years old. And I received a letter from her one day and she was just, it wasn't one of the mushy letters, but she was just talking about seeing the moon up in the sky, the full moon, and she's, and just think, we are sharing the same moon. And I thought, cool. That kind of touched me a little bit. You and I share the same word that Paul shared. There's no difference. We have the word and we have prayer. God can still perform a miracle. And he very often does. But human beings don't get the glory. He does. A miracle is God acting immediately, producing something wonderful from nothing. God is exercising his great creative power. It is not that Paul is able to do anything. It is that God chooses to do something. That's where miracles come from. You don't always get to receive a miracle. There are some people who say, you just have to have enough faith. And in order to have enough faith, you need to demonstrate how much money you want to give. Please, 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 if you hear any of those preachers, turn around and run. Get away from them as quickly as possible. The Apostle Paul was willing to be involved with the lost, participate in their life, carry their burdens, share their burdens, pray for them, heal them, help them, teach them. He also had compassion for the lost. When the father of Publius had been saved, according to verse 9, when this had taken place, or excuse me, when he was healed, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. And they also honored us greatly, and we were able to sail, set sail, and they put on board whatever we needed. He had compassion for the lost. It didn't stop with the father of Publius. He took the time to care for those others who came, to the, came from the island. All along, giving God glory. These people honored Paul and the people who were traveling with him because of what they had done. Giving God the glory. So there is involvement with the lost. And I know it's not comprehensive. That's a word I was looking for a while ago. It's not complete. It's not 
encyclopedic, but it gives us some idea of what we need to do. We need to be willing to reach out to the lost. We need to show them our compassion. We need to show them our love. We need to pray for them and let Christ open their hearts. Finally, we also have Christian fellowship for encouragement. Verse 11, after three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. And putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they had heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when he came into Rome... Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. There's a couple of things here I'd like to mention. And it applies or comes under the heading of involvement with the lost. In verse 11, it said the ship that they, had, that they were traveling on, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Twin gods were Castor and Pollux. In Roman Catholic circles, they have saint, patron saints. Patron saints of weavers, patron saints of bakers, patron saints of travelers. And these were idols. These were, we might understand them as constellations in the zodiac but the Romans used to worship these things and Castor and Pollux were twins who were the patron saints of sailors and some might think well why was Paul traveling on such a ship because they didn't mean anything to Paul they were made up men figments of man's imagination they were idols they were nothing we need to be very careful as christians how far do we let our involvement go we need to reach out to others we need to be compassionate for their care Sometimes while I'm up here, I think on my feet, and what I want, what I think I might say, I decide I better not say today. I was going to say something about this place down in Florida that likes to celebrate a big rat. You know, Disneyland. I 
I remember years ago, and look, this is, this is, all right, allow me to step out of the authority of the word for a moment and share a bit of opinion. This is, op this is my personal feeling, just sharing, so you know where I'm coming from. A few years ago, whenever the issue of Equality in Marriage Act was being debated, I think the man's name was Howard. He was the CEO of Starbucks. He came out with a statement that said that if Christians don't want to make homosexual marriage equal in the United States, then we don't need any of their money. And I said, okay, I'm not buying any more Starbucks coffee. And I haven't since. Even 10 to 15 years before that, when that place down in Florida that likes to celebrate the rat started having a pride day every year. Some people got upset about that and said they were going to boycott it and never really boycotted it. Grandparents were still taking their grandchildren to celebrate the rat. I'm speaking opinion. And it's even gotten more pronounced lately as they've tried to produce films and videos that celebrate the different LGBTQ, LMNOPs. But what you don't see in the news, and you can find them in some conservative news avenues online and on YouTube, is that there are Christians who are employed by that, and they have been protesting, standing out in front of the gates at Disneyland or Disney World, protesting, they are forcing us to do this and we don't like it. But we don't hear about that. It seems that Christianity wants to be involved with this pagan world, but the pagan world wants to push Christianity out and away as far as possible. So we're not going to find our help and our encouragement in fellowship with the lost until we can bring them safely into the kingdom as redeemed souls. So we need to find fellowship and we need to find encouragement from one another. Now let me step out of my opinion and back into the word. The Apostle Paul was allowed to get back under the ship. They, they, they continued on on their journey and they were able to get, get to Rome. Allow me to say that the Bible, or remind you that the Bible is not in chronological order. And Paul 
the record of his travels, the records of his missionary journeys, the record of his ministry in Acts is not real specific about, well, I sat down today and I wrote a letter to the church at Rome. We do know that from work in Acts, his work in Acts, that he wanted to get there. He wanted to go there. He had a burden for the people at Rome. But by the time he got there, he had already written the letter ahead of himself by about two or three years. From Rome, Acts 28, Acts 28, you can turn over one more page and read in Romans chapter 1. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be, be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. We need to encourage one another. We're not going to find it in this world. We are to be involved in the world. We are to have compassion for the world. But our encouragement comes from one another. And looking back at our text in Acts, verse 14, there we found the brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And when, so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they had heard about us, perhaps Paul's letters had already been copied and circulated. And the word went out, Paul has arrived. They heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. He was a stranger a few years prior whom these people had not heard of until they received a letter which we know as the book of Romans. And they were so moved when they heard that Paul was finally there, they came running. We need to be involved with the lost. We need to have compassion for the lost. But we need to find Christian fellowship and encouragement from one another. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we are thankful for the time that we've shared this morning, and we ask this day that you may help us be faithful to your word and its truth. Help us always, always to love you, and help us always to share your word and gospel. Open up opportunities 
to share. That hearts may be pierced with your light and truth and souls may be saved for the glory of our Lord Jesus. Amen.